Are mealtimes a serious struggle? Does your child eat a limited number of foods? Does your child eliminate entire food groups? Are you tired of waiting for them to just grow out of it? Welcome to How to Unpicky Your Picky Eater, where you'll learn strategies to help your picky eater expand their palate. With Christine Marotti Yoder, a pediatric feeding specialist, speech pathologist, mom of a child with feeding issues, and author of Mealtime Mindset. Let's get started. Here's Christine. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm so excited to be here again with you today. And uh, this week, we're continuing talking about cooking and kids and all of the amazing benefits. And, you know, as I like prepare for these episodes, I take some notes and I was jotting things down and they started to add up really, really quick. So I actually had to split all of the benefits between last week's episode, which was more of the cognitive brain benefits of cooking. And this week, we're going to be talking more about like the social and emotional aspects of cooking. So um, I have today eight different ways that cooking really enhances kids' social and emotional development. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned because some of these are, you know, they're, I, they're things like I hadn't really even considered before I started like outlining this podcast episode. And there really is a lot of amazing benefits that really gets me even more excited <laughs> to get kids into the kitchen, especially my own. So I even, you know, even me, I've been making even more of an effort than usual because of this, these episodes that I've been um, filming and talking about this month. So I've also sort of been uh, actively trying to get my child to cook in more with me. And it's been really fun. And he really does enjoy it. Um, we have a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, it's not like he cooks the whole meal with me. It's not that he's in there the whole time. That would, that does get cumbersome. And that does, you know, sometimes there's, you're on a time crunch and it's not like a great time for them to really be in the kitchen. But um, I do try to get him in there for maybe like one small part of, you know, each meal that I'm cooking. Um, and, you know, no, however small that looks. So for some people, cooking a meal is literally just taking something out of a package and putting it on the tray. And that's fine. That's if that's the meal, um, if that's, you know, you cooking and the meal prep, then they can definitely help with that. That's even easier, right? So you don't have to think about cooking as being like a huge uh, endeavor that you have to, um, you know, like sort of mentally and physically prepare for. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could it could be small little helping things in the kitchen, just like putting things on a tray or putting things from a bowl to a tray. Um, so um, let's get started. And if you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to this channel. We put out new content every single week and we have tons and tons of free helpful tips and information for you to help get your picky eater unpicky. So let's get started. So number one, and this is a huge one, confidence. But cooking really does lend itself to getting kids more confident and more confident in themselves and in their own ability to complete tasks. 
So, you know, if you're thinking about, um, you know, kids that are, um, maybe perhaps your child is struggling with confidence in other areas, right? So you wouldn't think cooking maybe necessarily relates to that, but that sense of um, pride and accomplishment in completing a task successfully, um, helping someone, being of help, and, um, you know, just like, you know, knowing that they are capable of doing something that can be a huge game changer for some of our kids. And I've worked with some kids who really, they just were not confident about anything, you know, and they felt very badly about themselves and they were very hard on themselves. And cooking is a really nice, easy way to get in some wins. Um, because, you know, there's nothing super complicated really about doing things like prepping foods, like chopping or, you know, using something like a salad spinner to dry off the foods. So, you know, if you can assign a small task to your child like that, you know, maybe it's literally just um, put this salad in the salad spinner and spin it, um, you know, make sure that you we take all of the water out of the salad so it's not soggy. Um, and if that's their task, you know, they might not even have to touch the salad if they really don't want to. But, you know, that's a, a task that has like, um, you know, a start and an end. And it's pretty helpful. Could be something like chopping and cutting. And like I said, in the last episode, it doesn't have to be a safety issue. There's really tons of kid safe knives now. And, you know, that does not have to be uh, a concern. Uh, the chopping and the cutting, you know, you don't have to use a metal dangerous knife. You can use nylon knives, uh, those wooden ones that are uh, sort of like, <laughs> um, to me, they look like, like a, they have like this like little wooden handle. Um, I'll, I'm going to try to link some below um, so you can see what I'm talking about, but they are super cute and um, we do have them and they actually work really well. Even the nylon plastic knives, they, they do cut food very well. So um, definitely something that kids can be using. You know, even my three-year-old uh, has used those plastic knives and those uh, those chopper type things um, with success. Um, you know, I'm not saying 100% on their own, but, you know, a lot of times those soft foods, they are able to cut themselves. And it doesn't have to be picture perfect if they're not all the same exact size. You know, if they can just, you know, maybe even cutting off the stems of things like strawberries, um, you know, that can give them that same sense of accomplishment. Okay, so next, um, sort of, I guess, kind of continuing along those lines is a sense of service. So preparing a meal for a family member or a friend, um, you know, basically, you know, doing that they're doing something, knowing that it's helping somebody else is sort of the idea behind that um, sense of service that I'm talking about. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that there are, <laughs> sometimes you think like, oh, they're being of service. So, you know, that's like cooking for a soup kitchen or something, but it does not have to be that way. It could be grandma's coming over and, you know, I'm sure she would really appreciate if you helped to make the food for her. You know, I could really use your help. It's just that being of service, just helping someone that, you know, it's not for them. It's not for their benefit. 
they might not necessarily be eating it, especially with our picky eaters, right? They might not be eating the foods that they're helping to cook, but just that, um, you know, helping others. Um, and that's always a great skill for kids to have um, from <laughs> as early as possible that um, helping others, that's super important, at least in my opinion, it's super important. Okay, and next, now working in groups and teams. Um, now, if you've ever watched <laughs> cooking shows, a lot of times people work in teams, especially in bigger kitchens, and at home, you know, it really shouldn't be too different. Um, it definitely helps to have help. It helps to have someone who's maybe helping to prep the food, um, you know, doing chopping, cutting, dicing, someone who might be working on if there's a sauce component or people might take different roles. Like I'm going to take the side dish. Um, I'm going to take the appetizer. Um, you know, things like that. So just different roles within the kitchen. Now, um, when we we're starting cooking classes and there's going to be um, several kids cooking together and, you know, different kids are going to have different roles. So just working in a team, um, delegating tasks and, you know, collaboration, working together, you know, you might, um, need to share some spaces or share some equipment. And that's a great opportunity to practice working in teams and collaborating. So, um, you know, cooking can really help with that because there's always so many different, um, there doesn't have to be, but there, there can be a bunch of different little steps that are involved. And, you know, someone might be in charge of even just telling you what foods are in the pantry or taking those foods out of the pantry or out of the refrigerator um, and putting them on the counter, you know, thinking of just different, even simple roles um, that will make everything work more efficiently and be easier overall <laughs> for the cooking process. Okay. Now this one, I absolutely love this next one and it's talking about cultures. So we're talking about geography, history, maybe some cultural traditions, which this time of year when I'm filming, it is in December of 2023. And there's just a lot of different traditions that take place during this time, right? So there's, um, you know, Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all of those different holidays come with different traditions, different foods from different parts of the world. So it's always a great idea to have a map handy, or you could even use your phone to pull up a map and be like, you know, do you know where this food comes from? You know, where did it start? Oh, like pizza started in Italy, you know, noodles actually started in China. And can we find that on the map? And what continent is that on? Right. It actually lends itself to a lot of those cultural discussions, um, geography discussions, um, even history. You know, like if your kid's a little older, you can talk about like when that actually um, you know, came about? When did pizza kind of get started? And if you don't know the answer, just you can both explore that question at the same time. I do that all of the time. Um, so especially when I was working in schools, you know, our middle schoolers and high schools, they would ask me questions 
And I would say, that's a great question. Why don't we look it up together and we'll find the answer. So don't feel like you have to be, um, you know, super knowledgeable about all of this stuff before you introduce it. You can just sort of learn along with them. So, but it, it is a really great opportunity and geography is one of my favorite things <laughs> to teach kids. I just personally love geography. Um, so, and I think it's really important for kids to know where things are in the world. There were, I can't tell you how many times I had, um, you know, my middle school speech students and they had no idea, sometimes even what country we lived in, what state we lived in, you know, where the continents were, what the continent names were. Um, and we used to play these fun, um, you know, we used to target um, memory, short and long-term memory. Um, you know, where the different countries are and what was, um, you know, a food that was part of that culture. Um, you know, I had so much fun with that. So like, what's a, you know, this food comes from Greece. Where is Greece? Okay, well, about what time period did that happen? And, you know, when did it come to America? Like, these might be questions that they have or that you have. And uh, either way, I think it's fun and it's like a good time to to kind of, you know, break out Google and <laughs> have it get to work for you. Um, you know, it's such a luxury to be able to answer those questions with just on our phone in the blink of an eye. So take advantage of that. And that also sort of teaches kids like, okay, well, if I don't know that answer and I'm curious, I should just look it up and then I'll know the answer. And you know, that that's just one more thing <laughs> that I know, I guess. All right, so moving on, um, I guess sort of along that lines, like food origins and gardening, um, those are topics that can definitely be incorporated into cooking, right? Think about, you know, we were just saying, um, you know, food origin. So pizza comes from Italy, noodles come from China. Um, you know, these types of, um, you know, uh, it, it's sort of a, a history, but it's also just like, where does that food literally originate from on the earth? And we could talk about gardening. And it, it always does remind me this time of year um, about the, um, the pilgrims, how they learned about like what corn was because they had never seen corn before because that originated, I guess, in America and they had never seen it before. So the Indians were sort of teaching them how to grow corn and how to grow crops because um, they had all of these different foods that were new to the people from Europe. But um, to them, you know, they, they knew how to garden, they knew how to grow them so that they can harvest and, you know, uh, live off of the land, right? So um, you could even just talk about growing foods. And I am the least likely person with a green thumb. <laughs> but um, I do have one of those uh, hydroponic little arrow gardens in our house now. And I love it. Um, you know, that's a great way to uh, if you have want to have one of those small ones on your counter, you know, it's they you don't even have to really there's not a whole lot of maintenance or, you know, taking care of it. But it's just uh, I love that kids would see like, oh, hey, this food grows and it's something that we can pick. And, 
This is what it looks like when it's a sprout and it's a seedling and then it grows. And this is what it looks like after it flowers or, you know, so how foods change, right? There's like a million different things that I could really think of um, that you can talk about with kids, um, you know, and that, um, you know, a lot of times those that, you know, that gardening can also fall under that sense of accomplishment. Like if you're going to grow basil in your garden and then they're going to be in charge of maybe watering that or picking it when it's ready. Um, you know, if you need basil for your, for your meal, you might say, oh, go get me two leaves from our plant, right? Or maybe it needs the, to have a little plant food or to change out the water, right? So, um, you know, there's some, some tasks that could be associated there with a sense of accomplishment um, and um, that ownership as well. Okay, so I still have a few more for you. I have three more. Um, but now if your kid is very picky and you really don't know where to start, please take our quick, easy two-minute test at www.pickyeaterstest.com. That's eaters with an S. And it'll give you an idea of where to start and what resources we have that can help you depending on what like level your kid is at. Are they very severe with lots of red flags for their feeding or are things just, um, you know, a little hairy? You know, we can help you wherever you are in your journey. So please check that out. Now, our next three, um, responsibility, you know, we have to be responsible with, with food. Um, you know, we have to manage our ingredients. You know, we can't, you know, be waving knives around, dropping food on the floor. Um, you know, it's, um, food safety, um, you know, um, appliance and utensil safety. Um, you know, we don't want to hurt someone or hurt ourselves, um, get, you know, um, then, you know, we have to stop the cooking <laughs> if we get injured, right? So it's just like all of these little things like um, about being responsible, about, um, you know, managing your time, right? And, um, you know, we have to sort of teach these kids, I feel like as early on about, um, you know, different responsibilities. And sometimes they take it for granted, right? They just, you know, if food has always shown up on their table and they didn't have to do anything, for it. They didn't have to do any of the cooking or the prepping or the cleaning. Um, you know, they might not appreciate quite so much what it is you're doing. And it's a great way to bring in that appreciation from them is when you give some of that responsibility to them. So even if it's not with meal prep, maybe it's with cleaning up, maybe it's putting dishes in the sink or, um, you know, getting them in the sink, washing some of the food off or scraping food into the garbage. Um, you know, there's lots of ways to give kids the small responsibilities when it comes to food as early as, you know, when kids can walk and pull open drawers, I'd say that's a great time. They can, you know, throw something into the garbage for you. Um, so I feel like it's almost never too, too early. Even our little ones, they love to clean, give them like a little wipe and just have them wipe down their their own tray. And even if it's not perfect, right, we're not gonna like critique them. It's not like, oh, you didn't do a good job, right? That's sort of the opposite of what we're getting at here. It's like, wow, thank you so much. You helped, you helped mommy, this is amazing. 
you did a great job. And then when they're out of sight, you can, of course, touch it up. But, um, you know, having that, giving them that responsibility gives them that sort of sense of accomplishment and ownership with the task. All right, so we have two more. Um, hygiene. Now, um, don't think hygiene like brushing our teeth, um, taking a shower, but hygiene and cleanliness as it relates to cooking. So, you know, we're, we're trying to be considerate of others, right? So we can't touch food with dirty hands because if we have germs on our hands, that might make other people sick, right? So thinking of others, like we're gonna wash our hands so that other people, when they eat their food that we cooked, you know, we're not going to spread germs, right? So that's one way to, to think of others, um, you know, and it goes along with, um, you know, even things like washing the foods, like, well, we don't know where, where this came from. It was in stores, it was in, um, you know, warehouses, and, you know, we're going to wash this food so that we know that it's clean, right? So even just small things like that are, are going to be really helpful to get kids thinking about, um, you know, we talking about germs and cleanliness, and just even thinking of others, like, why are we doing this? Because if they don't care for themselves, okay, but you're not the only one eating this. So we're going to have to do this um, so that other people are comfortable with the food that we're making. Okay, and our very last one is appreciation for food. And what I'm talking about here with appreciation has sort of I guess been a theme all along in a way, right? So it's that cultivating the gratitude and appreciation for not just the food we have, but who cooks the food, who buys the food, who cleans the food, um, who cleans up after the food. And uh, it's we're trying to deepen their understanding of the effort it takes to cook meals, the resources that it takes to uh, make a meal that they really enjoy, and to have sort of that connection to the food in a positive way. And cooking really just does that in a very natural way. And I think also what it will do is help kids appreciate you and what you do for them. Um, you know, we always instill in our son to say thank you for all of the meals. And you know, my husband is absolutely wonderful. He will always remind our son to say like, thank you, mommy, for this delicious food. Um, and now he's really starting to do it on his own, which is amazing. But it's sometimes it's just that modeling uh, that it takes, um, you know, over and over again, hearing that same phrase, hearing, um, you know, how we talk about food, how we seeing how we cook the food. Um, you know, he helps um, take the groceries out of the bags. He knows where certain food items go in our kitchen. Um, you know, all of that is helping to make him, hopefully, right, a very well-rounded child who, um, you know, has a really good understanding and a good relationship with food. And I really do see all of these, the benefits of these social and emotional um, aspects of cooking. And it's, you know, that one activity of cooking, you know, if you've listened to the last week's episode and this week's, I mean, there are just a, just a ton of things. Um, and there's probably even a few more maybe that I haven't thought of, but there's just a ton of things that the benefits of cooking are outrageous that like, if, <laughs> if, if kids did like, 
almost nothing else in elementary school but cook food all day, they would cover so much ground between the history, um, the science, right? Um, even talking about, you know, last week we talked about science, but I didn't even talk about, right, this, this week we talked more about food origins and gardening, but, you know, the life cycle of a seed and how a seed grows and the parts of um, a plant. Um, sometimes we eat the roots, and that is the plant part of the plant that we eat. Sometimes we eat the leaves. Sometimes we eat the flowers. Um, and talking about all of those, those different things. And in fact, sometimes we eat um, the little uh, like saffron is the um, oh my gosh, now I'm blanking on the word, but like the little um, the part that's inside of the flowers. Um, uh, I'll find the word and we'll put it we'll put it in the uh, at least a YouTube version of this, but. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, so we eat different parts of plants and um, and meats, right? We eat different parts of meats. So, you know, we don't eat every part of every animal, at least, you know, in, in, in America, a lot of people don't eat chicken feet, but kids might think it's really fun and interesting to know that in China, that is a very common food that they eat, right? They have like deep fried chicken feet. That's like something that they'll have I think even like street food, they have like chicken feet, right? So, you know, different parts of the world will eat different parts of animals, different parts of plants. Um, that could be a whole lesson in and of itself, right? So there's about an endless, you know, zillion ways to make cooking into a super educational lesson for your kids, no matter what it is that you're cooking, how easy or complex the recipe is, um, there's always something that you can come up with to talk about or be creative with the cooking process. Because like I said, you don't have to make a whole big meal that has a ton of ingredients or complex steps to get your kids cooking in the kitchen. You can literally do something like taking something out of a box and putting it on a tray but you can still find other ways to to talk about it to um engage with it so you know don't feel like if you're not a big cook or you feel like you're not a good cook that you won't be able to do this with your kids because that because that is really not true and not the point of this um it's not to convince you that like you have to cook otherwise your kids are going to miss out on all this stuff it's really to make it so easy, like really just about anything, you can turn into some kind of almost like a whole lesson. Um, you know, and I feel like teachers would really love, um, you know, love these, these tips, because they can make it into a bigger, much, much bigger lesson, um, you know, with more detail and worksheets and handouts. But, um, you know, and, and that I guess that's sort of like what our cooking class is going to be having. But, um, you know, you don't have to do anything super complicated. It could literally be, I took freeze dried strawberries out and put them on the plate. And, um, you know, um, I had him, you know, pick them out. We counted, we sorted, we talked about where strawberries come from, um, you know, um, and we, we looked at a picture on Google of what the strawberry plant looks like when it's not freeze dried, like what it looks like whole, right? So, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, so crazy to to get kids sort of connecting with the food in different ways. Because if the only way they're connecting with the food is when they see it on their plate, 
um, when you put it on their plate for them and there's, um, you know, other negative mealtime cues around them, you know, if that's the only way they're connecting with it, you're going to have an, an uphill battle, I think. Whereas if you start to approach food in different ways and make it engaging and, um, you know, try some of these strategies, I think you'll have an easier time getting them on board, getting them um, interested in food and developing a relationship, a positive relationship with food. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed making it. And now um, I really want to get in the kitchen and start cooking. So I will see you guys next week. Um, we have a really fun guest on next week and I can't wait to share um, all of her amazing knowledge with you. So please stay tuned and we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to How to Unpicky Your Picky Eater. To learn more about achieving your child's feeding goals, check out Christine's website at foodologyfeeding.com. And be sure to tune in next time to How to Unpicky Your Picky Eater.